you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Dan here. Before we get into the show, I want to tell you about FanDuel. The NFL season isn't over yet. If your season-long fantasy football league just isn't cutting it, get your mojo back at FanDuel.com and pick a new team every week. Joe Watson from New York played fantasy football on FanDuel for less than two weeks last season. Joey Watts. That bro won over $30,000. Join him and hundreds of thousands of other users who have already won money. Uh, FanDuel.com is the leader in one-week fantasy football leagues. The money is real, like Wes and his face and his voice, a beautiful man. Entry fees start at just $1. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use the code AROUND and sign up now. We have a new, they have a new user special. It's ending soon. FanDuel will match your first deposit dollar up to $200. That's $200 free. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use the code AROUND. Don't forget to use the code AROUND. FanDuel.com, where every week it's a new season. That's FanDuel.com. Sign up today. The Around the NFL podcast breaks the internet. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. I get that cultural reference, break the internet, but that would mean that someone would potentially pose nude on a magazine cover, Kardashian style. Well, that would be distressing if it were one of us. That would, right. I don't, that's not going to go well for the viewer. No. <laughs> it would not break the internet. I, I don't think we'd get a big click-through rate. Uh, I don't know what we're talking about. This is week 14. Wes uh, would clearly be the person, if anyone was going to do it. Oh, for West. certain. For Guy's certain. got a body that doesn't quit. <laughs> what the hell's going on out here? Week 14, Sunday, uh, another week of the NFL, and, and we're, we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel as we get closer to the end of the regular season. 
not to make it sound like you know it's a bleak affair getting through the football season, but what I mean is we get closer to playoff football in January. It's almost upon us, and this week, guys, with some things uh, uh, tightened up across the NFL, this is going to really come down to the wire. Yeah, you say light at the end of the tunnel. I think for some teams, it's there is no light, and it's over. Who could you be referring to? Well, I mean, a handful of teams, some of them closer to my interest than others. Quiet store. <laughs> it's over. It's not over. Give me a break. We'll get to that game uh, soon enough, but why don't we start uh, with the defending Super Bowl champions who went to Philadelphia, gentlemen, on Sunday the game of the week on Fox. You had Joe Buck there. You had Troy Aikman there. And they took care of business. They stay hot. <laughs> that was the two big exciting things about the game. Joe and Troy. Joe and Troy. They, the Seahawks <laughs> knock off the Eagles 24-14 in Philly. This is a game the Seahawks outgained the Eagles 440-139. to Whoa. That's domination. Wes, the Seahawks are rounding into form at the perfect time. Am I right? We've talked about this for a few weeks in a row now. This defense is for real. They are every bit as good as they were last season, perhaps even better. They limited mm. the Eagles to 139 yards today, which is 61 fewer than any other game with Chip Kelly as their head coach. Chip Kelly, the genius, the man who came up with offensive schemes that no coach could defend and no players could stop, apparently. <laughs> and also quarterback-proof offense Chip Kelly created. They're 9-4 and four with Nick Foles Mark and Sanchez. Mark Sanchez at quarterback, not playing particularly well. Give me a break. I've got That's news a, for you. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is facing the Seahawks' defense. Mm. They're going to shut down every quarterback. In fairness, they have just played Stanton, Kaepernick, and Sanchez. Not exactly a murderer's row. It's yeah, fair also, to point that out. They dropped the same a bomb thing. on them, though. Yeah. You said the same thing last week, and now they well, went in and dropped a bomb on a guy averaging 35 points a game. Sanchez had been p- playing pretty well. I, he didn't even throw for 100 yards in this game, and he had one interception in particular. He wasn't terrible today. That, the Seahawks were just that good. They took his receivers away. He had one interception in particular that gave me horror flashbacks. Cambridge behind the glass, we talked about it when I came in. It reminded me of some of those Sanchez mistakes in New York where you're just trying to make something happen, just threw it up for grabs. It was a huge place that came right after a fumble recovery by the it, Eagles. The game was over by then. Hmm. One the thing Eagles was, couldn't move the ball. With Seattle, I mean, th- yeah, their defense has been peaking of late, but the offense is, uh, you know, passing game has been skittish week after week. What, well, what's going on with Russell today? I saw your write-up, and he it was, seemed like he did quite he well. He was the best player on the field, and we've talked about – look, they can throw their play- playbook out, just get rid of it because it doesn't matter. Their best play is the play breaks down, Russell Wilson plays sandlot football, finds the open receiver, runs around – and just his improv- improvisational skills are top-notch. Well, we've talked about during the week. I think Maxwell and Chancellor being back is huge. the biggest change. I mean, Bobby Wagner being back is, is huge, too. But you go from a Legion of Boom that was by far the best in the league last year to eh, they were just okay. And then with these two guys playing well, they're now the best again. Maxwell had an awesome game today. It seemed like he had five or six third-down plays where he ended the Eagles' drives. Just on third downs alone, he was all over the place. Wes, it sounds to me that you believe the Seahawks are playing at such a level that maybe the Eagles don't even have to put too much stock in this game. They were just not going to touch a team playing, even in their own building. I'm, I'm sorry, I understand, on, and you saw the game, but that's, that's a pretty bad loss when you're in your building and you're in first place and you basically get outclassed. I don't think it matters. I think the Seahawks are that good. They're going to do that to anyone they play against right now. Well, that matters because they could be playing again. Lam- unless it's in Lambeau. <laughs> Look, the Eagle, I think the Eagles are still the NFC East favorites. I don't think this means the Cowboys are better than them just because they lost to the Seahawks. 
the Eagles' defense played pretty well in this game. They just There were eight or nine broken plays where Russell Wilson got away with it. Structure broke down. But Fletcher Cox, uh, Eagles' defensive end, dominated the run game. Connor Barwin played well. Uh, Michael Kendricks was all over the place. They've got. I think they have a more complete team than the Cowboys. We were talking about whether the Seahawks would even make the playoffs you know, four or five weeks ago. Now you have to consider them a favorite to get a bye because this game was basic was huge for the bye mm. because if Seattle can run the table now and win the division, they'll get that two-seater. They should. That's why the season is the perfect length because it shatters the myths that we buy into in week eight and nine. Seattle is becoming what, they, what we thought they'd become. they got to pass the Cardinals first, who we'll get to a little no, bit they'll later. they'll do that. Uh, let's move on. Andrew Luck. <laughs> Threw a one-yard touchdown pass to T.Y. Hilton with 32 seconds to play, rallying the Indianapolis Colts to a 25-24 win on Sunday over the Cleveland Browns. Oh, Mark. Oh, Mark. Mike Pettin showed his faith in Brian Hoyer, but the quarterback didn't reward his coach, did he? Yeah, I think that's going to set the city on fire this whole week because Hoyer, who his play obviously has been you know, nosediving over the past month plus, just an absolute stinker today. You got a, one of the best defensive showings by Cleveland all year. They put up two touchdowns on their own, got to Andrew Luck all day long, punished him. You know, you can't hold the Colts down for an entire game, though. And as they started to creep in, all they needed Cleveland to do with Brian Horror was maybe score one touchdown on offense, and he couldn't do it. I mean, it's just like you have to wonder if Manziel were in there, if he could have generated one or two clean drives. This would have been a, a huge win for Cleveland. It was the opposite. I mean, you, you lost the the Browns lost the game where the defense scored 17 points. Really. Oh, you have yeah. you have Brutal. two touchdowns and then another field goal that they set up where the offense didn't do anything. They basically they left, just kicked the field goal. They left points on the field in the first half, right? I saw I yeah. saw one tweet where the, someone wrote that the Browns should be up 24-7 right now. I believe it was 14-7. Well, Hoyer, I mean, you know, they they had some energy and there was some rhythm to the offense early. Hoyer gets them right down into the red zone. Throws an interception in the end zone. It's like you, that's the, you just can't do this week after week. Here's Brian Hoyer over the last five weeks. Fewer touchdowns than J.J. Watt. Mm. Yeah, and he's it, looked that bad. Over the, it is funny how when you play poorly really affects kind of the narrative of the season. I mean, imagine if Brian Hoyer played for the first three or four weeks like he did the last three or four weeks. I mean, we'd talk about him like he was Blaine Gavitt or something. I mean, but he started yeah. out solid. And then the nose dive. It probably works for Cleveland, though, in the sense that if their season is over in terms of making the playoffs, and it's, we're not there yet. But yeah. if it's Manziel time. But here's the thing, like, and that's why Manziel should have played this week because they couldn't afford to fall seven and six and that now hope to win every game and catch breaks to get in the playoffs. Yeah, Petten got too loyal, and maybe this is something I learned from. He's a young coach, but Manziel was the right move. This week, now I would assume that unless something's happening behind the scenes, Manziel will start next week, but it might be too late for the season. I think you're right. I think, though, there might be something going on with Manziel a little bit behind the scenes that we'll maybe find out after the season because he, he pulled, Petten pulled a ton of people, and, the, and the overwhelmingly, players. they wanted Hoyer to play. Let's give Andrew Luck a little bit of credit here, oh, he too. Deserves it. Even though he got a terrible, he had a, from what I hear, is a pretty bad game for 57 minutes. 90-yard drive to win the game, a bunch of third and longs on that drive. That's kind of well, that's kind of why he's Hilton, Andrew Luck. T.Y. Hilton went next level. I mean, Joe Hayden had the game of his life, but Hayden also gives up the big play occasionally. T.Y. Hilton was the guy over and over keeping that offense afloat. That kind of reminds me of when I was watching the that last drive of 
being a young Jets fan when Jim Kelly was in that division and, and Marino was in that division. You were just a lesser team trying to hold on, and you knew that guy was going to rip your heart oh, out. Oh, that's and luck. That's exactly how it yeah. played out. The quiet storm wasn't so quiet today. No, he wasn't. He looked over there, and at one point he says, I want this one. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was hooting and hollering. Different, different effect today. Had they won, they'd be in a great position, and they're now in a disastrous position. They really are. I don't want to see the light go out in your eyes, though, because of this game, because I liked when You've you were You've recovered alive. well. You yeah, I will, I will, well. you know, I'm a mature individual on many <laughs> levels, so I'm not going to take it out on you guys, which I probably have done in other weeks. <laughs> All right. Wow. All right. Well, good job, Mark. Elsewhere in the AFC North, the Steelers took the division-leading Bengals to the woodshed. I don't even know what that means. In a 42-21 win at Paul Brown Stadium, Cincinnati is now just one half game ahead of the Steelers with three games to play. Chris Wessling. How the hell? Do we make any sense of the Steelers? I think the saying is supposed to be behind the woodshed because that's where you take care of business when you're living down south or on a farm. Oh. Yeah, it's a small structure filled with firewood. If you want the fight to happen outside of other people's vision, so you take them behind a woodshed to do your private business. So the guy that takes a person to the woodshed, not taking it far enough, you got to get behind it. I think it's behind okay, the woodshed. Okay, what, what's, what's up <laughs> with the Steelers? How well, can we ever figure them out? They're Jekyll and Hyde. I think... We talk about the Broncos' ability last year to just blitz opponents and rain points upon them. The Steelers have that capability, too, and they entered the fourth quarter down 21-17 to and scored 25 points over 10 minutes to just end the game. But I don't know that we can trust them. They could just go into Atlanta next week and lay an egg. It feels like the Ravens are the most trustable team, but Pittsburgh's mm. the team I wouldn't want to deal with in the playoffs because when they have one of these peak – games on offense, they're going to drop 40 points on you. And Bengals, I mean, the Bengals can't deal with that kind of thing. And I mean, they dropped 32 points in the second half on the Bengals defense that we thought that has been playing pretty well lately. Bengals defense has no pass rush. They're questionable against the run, and they have no pass rush to speak of. That's a problem. I think that will haunt them the rest of the way. And they have a hard schedule at Cleveland, home to the Broncos, and then at Pittsburgh in a season finale that might just decide the division. I don't know if I trust the Bengals. The Steelers have the edge now in that division. Here's the perfect example, and this is the game. This is the good Steelers, right? Uh, statistically, Ben Roethlisberger, 25-39, 350, three touchdowns, no picks. Le'Veon Bell, who's a superstar at this point, 26 for 185 and two touchdowns. Antonio Brown, typical 9 for 117. Uh, Martavis Brown, Bryant. Four, uh, Bryant, excuse me, 4 for 109 and a touchdown. Le'Veon Bell added six for 50 in a touch receiving. I mean, there's so many weapons at play. You, It's hard to figure out how they could have so many stinkers this season. Le'Veon Bell is coming off one of the best three-game stretches in the history of the NFL. I believe he has uh, uh, 711 yards from scrimmage in the last three games, which is second only to Walter Payton, had 740-something in 1977. If you're starting a team and you can have any running back, Le'Veon Bell's your guy. Yeah, and by the way, on the on the Cincinnati side, AJ Green did everything he could. Went over 200 yards with a touchdown. Mohamed Sanu is he? Is it just me, or has he really gone silent after a really nice run earlier in the season? He came up huge when they needed him with AJ Green out, but he's not playing as well as a second fiddle, and has dropped quite a few passes the last few weeks. But yeah, I think the Steelers they have the edge here. The Ravens also gained ground in the division, exposing the Dolphins in a 28-13 win on the road. This is um, dominating efforts by Elvis Dumerville, who had three and a half sacks 
And I got another strong game from Joe Flacco, who's been earning that money of late. Greg, was the AFC North's best team playing in Miami on Sunday? It was. I mean, I, we've thought this for much of the year. I can't believe I didn't take the Ravens in this game. But their, <laughs> offense, their offense, when they are humming, are a lot of fun to watch. I mean, Joe Flacco is a top 10 quarterback this year. You know, not by much. I mean, it's right towards the end. But for the most part, he's played really well. Gary Kubiak has changed that offense. They fall down 10 nothing in this game, totally dominated in the first quarter. And after that, it was just a bloodbath. And it started up front. Elvis Duberville just destroyed Dallas Thomas all day. Terrell Suggs had a big day. And then uh, the Baltimore offensive line, on the other hand, really kept Joe Flacco clean. It, it didn't look like two contenders. It looked like one team that was headed towards a playoff and another that's headed towards another kind of December swoon. One thing about Baltimore, you know, Pittsburgh, for what we just mentioned about them, their defense can be a major issue week to week. They've got, they've got issues there. Baltimore secondary looking better today or what? No, I mean, they lost. It's crazy. They, they came into the game. They lost the loading out to suspension. You know, Jimmy Smith's been out. Their secondary's been banged up. And in the first half, they lost their two starting cornerbacks. And it didn't matter. Danny Gore went out. Anthony Levine went out. I mean, these aren't big names or whatever, but they're the guys on the field for them, so they must be their best players. And it didn't matter because Tannehill steps back. They started sitting on the short routes. When those are taken away, he just kind of freaks out a little bit. And, you know, to his defense, the pressure was getting to him very quickly. For all the attention the Cowboys offensive line has gotten this year, the Ravens' offensive line, when they've had all five starters healthy, has been the most dominant offensive line in the NFL. They, they move people, and the running game, it took a while to get going, but once it did in the fourth quarter, it was just like a you know rainstorm falling down on Miami. It almost felt like a team that, I don't know if they gave up or anything, but they were just physically dominated down the stretch. You got Jared Odrick yelling at Joe Philbin on the sideline. What was That's that about? Gonna, I don't know. It's going to be some sort of story this week. Philbin, in typical Philbin fashion, just kind of stands there. Has no reaction. <laughs> he looks like a man carved out of like an IBM executive's office. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that guy. One thing with Miami, though, and this week 14 of any of the weeks so far, I feel like it said, here's a couple teams that are total pretenders, and that's the Dolphins. I didn't think that, obviously, going into this game, but I thought this was a good defense, and they haven't played like a good defense for a month. They don't have a pass rush. Cameron Wake and Olivier Vernon and that whole group, they were just as big a problem, if not a bigger problem, than the run defense today. I feel like we might have talked about this before, but to your point, Mark, is there any coach active in the NFL right now you would want to have a drink with less than Joe mm. Feldman? Um, no, I'd have a drink with anyone on the planet. <laughs> well, I know you would, but I'm saying is there is there anyone that you would choose – uh, Joe Philbin over. No, he's got to be in the power <laughs> rankings of coaches I'd least like to drink a, a beer with. He'd be at the top of that list. Seems rather dull. I'm not sure where the I conversation got, got will go. Mike McCarthy, probably a little dull. No, I think he'd be. No, no, right. no, no. All right. That guy I got another be, one. I got yeah. another Mike. Mike Smith. No, I, I like I, Mike I don't Smith, know. maybe. I, I'm going to go Mike McCoy. There's your Mike you don't want to drink with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, Bill Belichick. No way. I would love to no, hang out Billy's with Belichick. Awesome. No. Oh, well, oh, sorry. Jerk. He'd be a creepy, crusty old man. I, my choice would be Tom Coughlin, because what if I showed up to the bar like five minutes late? <laughs> <laughs> the, Ra the Ravens, after winning this game, it's crazy how much a week changes. I mean, they were a, week, a game and a half back a week ago, but now the Bengals lose. They're within a half a game, and they get Jacksonville, Houston, and Cleveland. Mm. More importantly, has Wes ever showed up to a bar five minutes late? 
No, you're still there from the night before. <laughs> Never leaves. All right, we talked about the Red Hot Seahawks earlier. Let's check in on the rest of the NFC West. The Cardinals did what the Cardinals do on Sunday. They overcame a second-half deficit and made a final stand to knock off the Chiefs 17-14. Greg, the Cardinals keep losing big names, but the magic I'm glad they got this win and got to 10 wins, and this win was so symbolic of their whole season because you watch the whole thing and you have no idea how they won the game, but at the end, they're celebrating. The, the sum greater than the rest of the parts. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you know who's symbolic of that? Who? Larry Fitzgerald. When he's on the field, they win. Mm. When he's not on the field, they lose. You know who's really symbolic of that? Kerwin Williams. Mm. And who, Kerwin. Who, and Robert Hughes. I mean, they were running out the clock with Kerwin Williams, who went over 100 yards today. Nice that they got a little running game. And then Robert Hughes with a big catch. And all these guys you never heard of. And it doesn't matter. Well, and we heard after the, matter. the game that Andre Ellington is going to be shipped to IR. I mean, that running game has been a disaster for weeks. It's one of the worst in the league. So the 100-yard game is big news for Arizona. And they came back for this. This is amazing that sixth time this year they trailed at halftime and they won the game. Stanton did kind of what he does on a good game, which is that he made some really impressive throws. He also missed a lot of throws. And then they had two key second-half turnovers. I mean, Alex Okafor was making plays for them, had an interception, and a big overturn call, which was very questionable on a Travis Kelsey fumble that we'll, we'll probably hear about. Kansas City's season you know has Blandino? gone right into the abyss. I mean, it's been a terrible three or four weeks for them. Yeah, they've lost three straight. They're not quite out of it at seven and six either, but is this a team that you guys could see winning three in a row at this point? It's hard to see that. We don't trust their passing game. And what does it say about their run defense that the worst running offense in the league rushed for 141 yards today? What's special about them? Jamal There's Charles is special, and – he had a 63-yard run for a touchdown early that was awesome. And then he hurt his ankle. And he actually came back from the ankle injury and scored another touchdown. But he was very quiet in the second half. They barely gave him the ball. So that might be another injury that's a problem. The one thing I love about this team is Travis Kelsey. Like, you can yeah. compare him to Gronkowski. It's not just that they both kind of look alike. He really plays like – I mean, he's unbelievable to watch and had one of his best games. Do you take him – and nothing against Alex Smith, but you put him with Tom Brady. Kelsey's probably an all-pro, right? Oh, yeah. Why not? Alex Smith had a good game, too. It's like, but there's just not enough around him. Let's get rid of him. Mark, you feel good about yourself? I don't know. Why would I? No, you picked the uh, Cardinals to finish 9-7, and seven, and you picked them to win this game to go 10 <laughs> Well, that's how I operate. I told you I'm going to hedge my own bets. And who's sitting on top? The picks standings with Dan Hansis. That's me. We, and that's because I game. picked the Cardinals. We, well, were, we were talking about Mark's decision to pick the Cards and to pick them to lose out. It was we decided it was subversive. It was Mark turning the industry on its ear and saying, "Don't take me seriously, or should you, Mark Sessler, iconoclast?" I think it's called think differently. He's got a a surprising Machiavellian streak. I think it's more of an absurdist streak. You're just pointing out how ridiculous any of these picks are. No one cares except for us. You're right, Gonzo. All these things are correct, <laughs> Gonzo, <laughs> Kaufman, <laughs> Sessler. <laughs> Mark's so close to just walking into the wilderness, for real, forever. I got three more weeks. I'm winning this picks thing, and I'm going to walk right into the sunset. Would be a, would that, what do we win? Could we call that a dynasty? You won the first year. Yep. I won the second year. So if you could get two out of three, that's, that's big for your that's legacy. That's not a dynasty yet. Hey, uh, TD, behind the glass, how you doing, buddy? It's getting close. It, it is. What's going on, fellas? How you guys doing? 
Uh, good. How's the Cave of Sadness sound effects coming along, by the way? The Cave of Sadness. Yeah. Uh, we're getting there. Did you already forget Mark Sessler, Quiet Storm? I yeah. have to do more work now? Yeah. Oh, his voice was more, I totally forgot. What is the Cave of Sadness again? That's what the voice <laughs> No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you probably don't. Like, Playing along. Maybe it was time. an episode he wasn't here. Yeah. Like half of them. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, that, that may be, it's been that a may little, be true. You know, that yeah, that yeah, might have been the doctor appointment. We'll go offline to talk about that. But basically, there's now a a, a map similar to Game of Thrones because you have the Mark's uh, wilderness of happiness and curiosity. Wes's stable of boys. You have Greg's stable of boys. I don't and, have a do I? And yeah, you <laughs> yeah, got a little stable. Started. You got a little okay. stable of boys. And then of course <laughs> the Cave of Sadness, which various teams walk through. The Browns are there right now. Oh, the Jets have been there all season. They got a penthouse. What does Dan have? I don't have anything. Just a lot of hair care product. A lot of hair care product. <laughs> I do have something. Let me think about that. I, I kind of operate the Cave of Sadness, though. I got to yeah, decide who true. goes in and You're out the of the doorman. All right. <laughs> the bouncer at the Cave of the Sadness. The key master. That is grim. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Elsewhere in the division, the best 5-7 and seven team in the NFL history became the best 6-7 and seven team in NFL history as the Rams recorded a 24-0 win over the lowly Redskins in D.C. That's back-to-back shutouts for St. Louis and their coach, Jeff Fisher, who delivered one of the great tweak jobs in NFL history before kickoff. Chris Wessling, tell us about it. Picture me trolling. Picture me trolling. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best troll job ever. He sent out all six of the players acquired from the Russell uh, from the Robert Griffin III trade as the coin toss captains, oh, trolling man. the entire like Redskins organization. Did the Redskins, you think, even notice that was happening? You know yes. how I know they didn't notice, though? Because whoever is operating the, uh, the Vine account gleefully put up the whole uh, midfield encounter, and we used it for our story. It's probably taken down by now, but we used it because they had no idea. They couldn't have known. Mm. Unless they're so against RG3 in that building now that they're all in on it too. Fascinating. I'm sure Griffin doesn't love the, the little tweak job there. It wouldn't feel that good if I you were You know him. what? Play better. You, it's right. one thing to troll them by sending the captains out, and it's another thing to do it and then shut your team out while Robert Griffin III that's is true. watching Colt McCoy and then has to come in and mop up time. I mean, that's, that's ultimate. Talk about Cave of Sand. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say one thing, though, by the way? Like, there are some nice players that came out to midfield. Let's calm down, Rams, too. Like It's not like you went turned into a dynasty off that trade and these guys are the six greatest players in NFL history. Well, how about Typical Les Snead greatness bl- stuff. Like, how about real greatness? Let's win some games. Right, let's compile a winning record. Then we can start throwing our selections of players out at midfield and downing teams yeah, in late December. Well, they're gonna do, they are going to do it. They're going to win the, win out, go 9-7. and seven. This team that Wes oh. has been doubting, you know, they're, they're playing fran- pretty well. They're a franchise quarterback away from being a contender. Legit, like a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah no, they, they are. They are very. Over the last six weeks, they're first, I think, in takeaways and second in sacks. They yeah. have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Is Greg? It's hard to shut a month ago. out. Yeah, I mean that what they're doing. They dropped a fifty-two nothing bomb a week ago. You know how hard it is. It's first back-to-back shutouts for this franchise since they were the nineteen forty-five Cleveland Rams. <laughs> wow. wow. And by the way, the um, Colt McCoy redemption angle, has that officially been put to rest? He's, he's exactly who we thought he was, a third-string quarterback who might might be good enough to be a backup but certainly is not a starter. Well, we should point out he hurt his neck late in this game. He had to go to the hospital afterwards to get it evaluated. So there's a very good chance that Robert Griffin III will be <sighs> starting the last three games. They should the be teams. starting Kirk Cousins, and we said that a few weeks ago. Kirk Shut Cousins the is the best quarterback down. on that team. And he got – RG3 got in this game – 
at the very end? Did he throw the ball at her, or was it more just running out the clock scenario? He completed three or four passes, and to the surprise of no one, took a sack. Yeah, it was just running it out, basically. In terms of over. most depressed fan bases right now, and as a Jets fan, we're definitely in the running. In terms of just the season alone, Redskins fans have it real bad. A lot of these embarrassing moments are happening in their building. They just The whole thing is like a disaster. They, especially after what they did last year, that you can double down and have a more embarrassing season this year. They've had the uh, – to, to, to go from thinking you have the guy in Robert Griffin the third to what he is now and you don't have those picks and you don't have a coach, I mean, they might be at the top for, for the most hapless franchises. The most embarrassing moment of the day today was Tavon Austin's punt return touchdown made it 24 to nothing late in the third quarter, and the home crowd started chanting for RG3. Mm. Oh, no. Apparently having forgotten the last two games RG3 played. It's almost as bad as when the 49ers crowd chanted for David Carr to come in. When Troy Smith was at quarterback. That was a low moment. All right. Elsewhere in the (laughs) NFC West, there was only one team that lost in the division on Sunday. Who would have thought it could have been the team playing the freaking Raiders? The 49ers laid an epic egg at the black hole, falling to 7-6 after a 24-14 loss. This is the same Raiders team who lost 52-0 last week. Mark, I'm going to ask you a serious question here, so I would like a serious answer. Is it time to fork the 49ers? I'd be fine doing that. After watching that game today, my takeaway was that when Greg Roman and Harbaugh hit San Francisco and developed that offense into what it was a couple seasons ago, I thought for myself they were the most fun, creative team to watch on that side of the ball. They are boring. They stink and they are boring. So you were happy with this outcome. I know you were saying in the newsroom, what you did not want was to see the 49ers in the playoffs and you'd have to watch that. I think they're a shell of their former selves in the sense they can't overpower teams with the run. Their passing game looks completely... We talk about Seattle's as a no-structure passing game. I see nothing in San Francisco that suggests mm. anything that can't build rhythm. I mean, Derek Carr flat-out outplayed Colin Kaepernick. Very interesting timing coming right off the article that Wes wrote last week about running quarterbacks struggling and five executives saying they'd rather have Carr than Kaepernick. I don't know if that's premature, but looking at what happened today, Kaepernick is a big concern, and the entire offense seems lost. Jim Harbaugh is out. Right, and he's going to have to start over with a new coach and a new offensive coordinator. Harbaugh can go coach up Carr. Maybe he was one of the five executives. (laughs) He'll take him. He's got to – he had to be watching this game thinking, all right. This isn't so bad. I will say that, you know, there's some big surprise storylines this season. I think RG3's uh, collapse into the abyss, into the Cave of Sadness is one. I think the Saints' struggles this season is another. Colin Kaepernick, like, etching into just another guy status is, to me, personally stunning. I never saw it coming. I think part of it is their line is not what it was, and they simply cannot impose their will with the running game. When you can do those two, when those two things are intact, a lot of your quarterbacks in the league look a lot better. They have no identity. That's a bad place They have to no be. identity. Seven and seven. Oof. It's going to be a fun couple weeks here. Seven and I six. I mean, seven and six. Well, right? they're, that, they're, may, that may be prophetic. They play the Seahawks. Right. right. That's what I was thinking. Seahawks are going to end their season and the Jim Harbaugh era in San Francisco. Oof. I think Harbaugh wisely is getting out of there at the right time, though, to be honest. <laughs> if I get. I mean, I don't know if it's his choice, their choice, whatever. You still don't want to go out like this. We we talked. It's not like it's a total shock. We we talked about this before the season that if there's going to be a team that's kind of embroiled in dysfunction and misses the playoff, that's been atop that perch. That this is kind of the prime candidate, and that's what's happened. 
All right, so the Niners' loss is the Lions' gain in the NFC playoff race. Detroit delivered a balanced effort against the Bad Bucks team, taking care of business in a 34-17 win. To talk about the Lions, we need to get on the line our Chicago correspondent, uh, the man that spends a lot of time in the gym and a lot of time watching football film. <laughs> and then, you know, if people get out of line, he takes care of business. <laughs> you catch my drift. He's Main Street. Kevin Patrick coming at you. What up, buddy? Dan, it's so great to hear your voice. Mm. Now I know. Now I know how Ringo Starr felt when they let John, him talk to John Lennon. <laughs> wow, John I like that. I really like the analogy. Yeah, by the way. maybe it if Ringo Starr was buff. Oh man, <laughs> you're definitely hotter than Ringo Starr. Uh, a lot of looks talk today on the around the NFL podcast. Yeah. So anyway, Patches, the the Packers, or excuse me, the Lions broke a nine game December losing streak here. Are they going to avoid that late season fade this time around? Well, this was a game that I was actually, they lost to this same Bucks team last year, and this was a game that I was kind of a trap game that I was thinking that they could totally just come out and bomb. And they took care of business. And it started with their defensive line. Adam Kinsu uh, led the team in tackles with six and was always in the backfield. He's playing well, tackles, huh? Pull off the sack. Their defensive line just destroyed poor Josh McCown. I actually felt bad for the guy. He was getting hit at literally every time he dropped back. He was getting mauled. So you're saying this Bucks passing game in this offense Maybe not a great look there with uh, without Jeff Tedford in the mix. As Greg well, shoots I mean, daggers at uh, Chris <laughs> Wessling. Wow, that didn't seem necessary. No, that wasn't that. I'm just it, the Lions' defense like against the Bucks' passing game might be the biggest mismatch in the NFL it possible. Was a, it was a great point by Greg. Oh boy. <laughs> well, well, it's it's really up front. I mean, uh, Vincent Jackson had 159 yards. Mike Evans had two touchdowns and had multiple uh, got multiple penalties, pass interference penalties. When McCown got rid of the ball, had time to get rid of it, his, his receivers made plays, but he just didn't have enough time, and the running game is absolute crap. Reggie Bush comes back, but he's not really the main running back. It's Joyke Bell, who I think has been running great. How did Bush look back on the field? Like, I, Does that concern you at all? Uh, first of all, I wouldn't say Joyke Bell has been great. I, I think he's been very good season. in the second half of the season. All right, he's guys. been okay. He, he gets one run a game, which he did today. When Slavante David was out, he had a busted a 57-yarder. But they only had 56 yards on 30 other carries. Uh, Reggie had one 12-yard gain. The rest of the time, it was two yards in fall. Uh, they tried to get him more involved in the screen game. He had a couple passes. Didn't really do much. He, he couldn't break a tackle. So, Patra, if you're a, a Bucks fan, I would feel bad for anyone who is at this point. Outside of Mike Evans, give me something that the fan base can say there's some promise here. I mean, it is a disaster down there. I really don't know. I really couldn't. I, that would be my go-to is, is Evans and Jackson. They're great pair together. Other than that, I mean, well, Gerald, Gerald McCoy and Levante good. David are I would, yeah. all pro talent. I mean, you have some. You have a couple pieces there, maybe three pieces that you could build around, and also they could have the number one pick in the draft. Mm. They're one of, I believe, five or maybe six teams now at 2-11 and 11 with three games to play. I think, I think that Lovey Smith's defense is a mistake with the talent, with what they have. Mm. I, I don't think it works. And I think Megatron kind of proved that today. Second week in a row, he's at over 140 yards, just getting cushion. Easy, easy pitch and catch. Matthew Stafford didn't even have to look to Golden Tate because his number one option was open almost every play. Johnson being Johnson again is a big deal. Right. I mean, they've the Lions, to me, are one of the more predictable teams in the league. They're pretty consistent. I mean, they beat the bad teams. They look exactly what you think they are, which is like the 11th best team in the league that's going to make the playoffs and then lose to a better team in the playoffs. But these last two weeks to put up 34-17 wins against bad teams, 
it's a very good sign because that's all they really need to do to make the playoffs. All right, Patrick, it's shoulder day. Go get to work, buddy. <laughs> all right, folks, that's tomorrow. Thanks. <laughs> um, hey, TD, by the way. What's happening? Megatron feeling himself again. He might get to that 25 touchdown. Hey, only about 15 away <laughs> or maybe 20 <laughs> it's away. It's not too know. late. It's never too late. All right, let's swing over to the wide open and utterly bizarre NFC South. The New Orleans Saints have now lost four straight games at the Super Bo- Superdome, and this time it was a total embarrassment. The Panthers whooped them 41-10 to move into the thick of the division race. Um, I would say this, and, and Greg, because you love Nolans so much, I'll, I'll say this to you and <laughs> you give me your opinion. Outside of Bounty Gate, this is the low point of the Sean Payton era, Nola. It's got to be, right? Yes, there's no doubt. I mean, they weren't throwing bottles from the upper deck or booing lustily before halftime, after halftime, that that I can think of in any other time. Now, that whole Bounty Gate season, that's a pretty big low. You can't just throw that out. (laughs) Well, I said outside. Yeah, other than that, you're like I covered myself there. Dan asked this downstairs. I mean, Sean Payton, is there a chance he doesn't coach this team next season? There have been... You know, speculation from people that maybe he could be elsewhere, like Dallas, if that job came open. I, I think it would be more him wanting to get out than I don't think there's any way the ownership would want to get rid of Sean Payton just because of one disastrous year. This was so bad. And this was a game that was a complete one-sided affair from the kickoff on. And if you're the, if you're the Panthers, uh, if you're a Panthers fan and you're excited about the team back in the race – I kind of get it because Cam Newton looked like Cam Newton again. Uh, Wes, I think you call he looked like a preening schmo as well after his <laughs> Superman score that touched what off a, clown. a fracas <laughs> uh, behind stop, the end zone. Stop with the preening. Went, You're a he quarterback. Went, he went a little over the top, not just that, throughout the game because they, they had the game in hand. He was really enjoying himself. But, you know, he deserved it. He, <laughs> I'm glad he got hit. He played one of – uh, the best games in recent memory for him. He threw three touchdown passes, no interceptions, added 83 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. And, you know, this is a Saints team that ran for – or a Panthers team that ran for 271 yards uh, on the road. Jonathan, That's like last year's formula. Yeah, and Jonathan Stewart looked awesome again. He had a 69-yard touchdown run on the in the first minute of the second half that basically put the game away, made it 31-3. Uh, the Saints offense, again, this is a week after – uh, Drew Brees threw for uh, th- uh, five touchdowns. Again, no connection with Jimmy Graham, which was odd. He's not healthy. And they left him in the game the whole game. I don't know if it was to get some stats at the end, but he was taking shots, and they kept him in the game. I found that was weird. The Saints just all bad, bad vibes around this team, and it's not looking good. What? I think it's cool that we're going to get a six-win playoff team. I mean, I, I really do. What does it say about Paddleboat Ron and Mike Shuler that it took a D'Angelo Williams injury to find out that the best running back on their roster is Jonathan Stewart. Yeah, it's annoying, but they are running the ball well. They did it, they did it well against Minnesota. They did it against New Orleans. They get Tampa next week. They've got a shot. Then they have Cleveland in Carolina, and then they're at Atlanta. We've been saying that Atlanta-New Orleans game is going to decide the NFC South, and I still think it will. But if Atlanta could go to New Orleans and win, then maybe it's that Atlanta-Carolina game. That decides it in week 17. Here's an interesting scenario. What if this NFC South doormat hosts a playoff game against Drew Stanton? (laughs) 
I don't know. <laughs> That's they could very well a six foot team could could go into the second round of the playoffs. Can they, can we just give the team that's going to play them the next week the buy the buy they just wipe <laughs> them out? Give the winner of that NFC that would meet them just take them out, give them the win, move them on to the a- save NFC airfare, game. save yeah. on a lot of you know structural costs. I'm just that's trying to idea. save money. I'm like a company that. man. It's good. No or yes. No, I, the, the, yeah. I, the sound principle of just saving cash and dough by not even having that game occur is, is nice. And by the way, the Fort Committee is going to get together, I think, Monday <laughs> about 6 a.m. in a conference room. There's going to be Danish and coffee, some other things. But, uh, again, I'm going to throw it out there. I am nominating the New Orleans Saints to just so to fork, fork the entire division. Just fork the entire yeah. division. Mm. Well, then Greg has to give to a charity again. Well, that's good. Greg well, needs gives to Greg be another doing chance more of to that talk anyways. about it. <laughs> oh, you know, whenever I could think about people in need and I could step in and make a play, I'll do it. I'm just, I'm just happy that all those articles this week talking about the Saints running the table were made to look as stupid as they should have. I totally messed up, guys. We keep going. Why? Well, yeah, I just like a little music <laughs> yeah, in the background. Yeah. Just nice. keep going. Just keep going, yeah. Why not? I mean, it's a great song. Obviously, it is. it's a classic. <laughs> Is this Dylan? Joe Satriani. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. You might as well just keep the music yeah, on now. Keep going. Keeping it. All right, good. Uh, <laughs> Jairus Wright's 87-yard touchdown reception. Who? Jairus Wright? Jarius, Jair- excuse Jair- me. Excuse me. Jairus. Jairus. <laughs> now, you, now we're really putting you to work. I TD. know. Can't do a couple of things at once, guys. Too much. TD batting 147 going. right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jarius Wright's 87 Yard touchdown reception from Teddy Bridgewater in overtime. Now you pull the music out? Fading it out, man. I'm just starting Fading the read. Out. I'm just starting the read of the game. You're very you mysterious. Want, you want to come do this, Dan? No, just wow. <laughs> You know what? Wow. Yeah, just do the job. Let's go. <laughs> Jarius Wright's 87-yard touchdown reception from Teddy Bridgewater in overtime gave the Minnesota Vikings a 30-24 win over the New York Jets. Uh, Wright took a wide receiver screen on third down, broke one tackle, took it to the house. The Jets fall to 2-11 and 11 and are now in a five-way tie for the worst record in the NFL. Suck for duck. This yeah, I mean, you, you want them to lose out, right? It's, the, it's a weird position. I, I, I don't like when people do that kind of stuff, but I have to admit it. I'm so desperate for a quarterback now, and I've heard so many good things about Marcus Mariota. I just want it. I want it so bad that I don't care if they lose. So this was one of the biggest losses of the year. <laughs> I mean, this was a huge game today for the Jets. It was great. They did a great job. No, this was, uh, first of all, Geno Smith, and it's almost comical. It is comical. It's straight comical. Uh, six days after they they put the handcuffs on him and gave him th- had him throw eight pass attempts in the first 58 minutes of a game in prime time, they give him the ball to throw in the first play from scrimmage, and what does he do? Shop. He shobs it. Pick oh, six. No. He throws a pick six. Uh, to his credit, and I will, I will say. Well, he know, deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, he, he showed some gumption here. He actually played very well by Geno standards the rest of the game. Uh, kept, the, kept them in the game, but the same old Jets problems surfaced here. They were 0 for 5 in the red zone, uh, punching it in for touchdowns. There was a huge Chris Ivory fumble. Cumby, my boy Cumby, who's dropped off the face of the earth. I might have to uh, kick him out of uh, – I have a, a, a side stable behind Wes and <laughs> right. Greg's stable. That right. It's very small. And Cumbie basically it just hangs out. It. It. It's, yeah, it's not very well. It's not well lit or anything. You all have stables. Yeah. You've got Andy Dalton. You have an entire forest. Huh? Well, yeah. I'm not like in, liking to put people into servitude and have them live in a stable. <laughs> they can live free where they want to live. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, the Jets can't do anything in the red zone. And on the Vikings side of the ball – 
your boys. Yeah, don't think that Mark and I haven't noticed that Charles Johnson has single-handedly turned mm. Teddy Bridgewater's rookie season around. He be- Easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he had one night. He had a nice game today. I will give you that. Now he's played a nice game. He went over 100 now? yards. He had a touchdown. Uh, how many 100-yard games has he had in his career before this? Probably zero. He had okay, an 80-yard game saying. two weeks ago, though. All right. Dan begrudgingly authored a I bullet am. point about Charles Johnson. I did, and, his thing, and I, tweeted, like- I tweeted when it happened. I said, you know, this guy, he's making some plays today. It's clear that he's the favorite target of Teddy. Uh, at least today he was. And Cordero Patterson, who, he, you know, Johnson took his spot in the lineup, barely played. When he got in the game on special teams, he fumbled a kickoff and bobbled another kick. That's Didn't just, have a target. What just is a, going an on? an absolute uh, disaster. Our zone, number zone. one making the leap candidate. And to uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I will say this, uh, made, some, made some plays. And on the game-winning play in overtime, he, the Jets went into a formation where they had uh, zero safety. It was uh, Rex getting aggressive and – uh, Teddy Bridgewater saw that audibled into the wide receiver screen Ugh. that led to the 87-yard score. Veteran Teddy. So growing up a little bit, Teddy, uh, Vikings fans get a little excited about that. They looked uh, good today. I was joking about Charles Johnson, but Teddy Bridgewater has more wins than all the rest of the rookie quarterbacks combined. 309 yards and two touchdowns and only 27 attempts. He's been nice. Would you take him over any other rookie quarterback? I, I, said, for well, tomorrow, I said last week, for I, would, week? I would take him to win a game this week for sure over the other guys. I agree with that. Long term, eh, I don't know. Long term, I'm sticking with Bortles. All right, while we're here, let's check in with the other depressing New York-based franchise, the New York Giants, who bounced back from an embarrassing loss to the Jaguars, and they whipped up on the uh, Titans 36-7. to uh, we got to get our boy from New Jersey live from a New Jersey haunted mansion. He is the former uh, beat reporter for the New York Giants. He watches game closely for us, and he will now tell us about it. How are you, Connor Orr? I'm doing well. How's everybody out there? Good. I guess one thing I just want to say is just tell us about Odell Beckham. What else do we really want to hear about from this game? Tell us about I Odell said- Beckham. I said that, that there should be no more Giants games for the rest of the season. It should just be like Odell Beckham feats of strength. You know, I mean, like <laughs> they had him, they had him throw like a sixty-yard, like a, a sixty-yard leaf flicker pass. Like he overthrew a guy from midfield. He almost like he almost hit the back, like the first row of seats. It was ridiculous. Mm. So I mean, he's he's extremely talented, and you know, when he had like ten receptions at the half, so. He's really the only thing worth watching in that entire game and really for the rest of the Giants' season. He's, he's immensely talented, and I think now they're it's a little too late, but they're starting to move him around a lot, which is exciting. You know, he's in the slot. He started in the backfield a lot today. So uh, too little too late, but, but at least fun to watch in the meantime. Connor, I've got a question for you. Pick one of these answers. Odell Beckham is the greatest player in the history of the NFL <laughs> or the greatest athlete in the history of humankind. <laughs> That's the problem when you get, like, a player like that in New York. Like, it just gets ruined. You know? No, no, I mean, he like, really is that good. You know, I mean, you know, you read the stories, whatever. He's the, the son of a Olympic sprinter and a, and a football player, and then his stepfather is an Olympic sprinter. So, mm-hmm. you know, he really has no excuse. In my mind right now, he's underachieving with, with those kind of genes, you know? <laughs> well, the stepfather's a bit of a stretch. What, this guy's showing him technique or something? Give me a break. Yeah, there's secret training. There's stuff that you and I don't have access to, certainly. That, Connor, you know. I go back to the fact that he was inactive for the first month of the year, and I've long said that it would be wise for Greg next season to give all of us 
the first four or five weeks of the year. We don't <laughs> operate. We don't work. Agree or disagree? That would be fantastic. If, if that would happen in my second year, that would be fantastic. All right. You, can, you can do it all while they're off. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Mark. I, you might have to venture out on some non-Giants games at some point, but you know it would be it'd be it's, fun. Do you have anything hey, to that's, share? That's cool. Un- unfamiliar territory is all right with me. Do you have anything to share about the Titans? Who who are the Titans? Oh, Zach Mettenberger got hurt, didn't he? Yeah, I mean they they need to block for him at some point. Uh, you know, I think that would be. Uh, Wait, what, what's they that? Need to get, they need to get. That's a that's a that's a haunted ghost. And uh, <laughs> listen, listen. That was good. Connor, you got to get that taken care of, bro. Connor, seriously. <laughs> Tighten things up. Tighten up your ghost game in your house. I know. TD yeah. and I had a spirited IM conversation during this entire segment, uh, uh, arguing when to drop in the ghost sound effect, by the way. <laughs> I got this, Dan. I got it. I like how it's become an interesting subplot to the to – the, to the whole podcast, like everyone's, uh, like it's you're you're revealing a little bit of my haunted mansion every week. Well, we're concerned so. for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, you really, it's just a matter of time before we stop hearing from Connor in a like, paranormal activity scenario. <laughs> and then you have to find somebody else to watch the the cruddy Giants game. Oh, well, then we got to send know? the Ghostbusters over there. Somebody's got to watch <laughs> the Giants for the next. How three close weeks. are you to the Amityville house? Uh, like an hour and a half. So oh. I mean, you know. The, any any sort of chaos theory Ghost yeah, travel. Be plausible. <laughs> the biggest takeaway I had from Connor's call this week was he's not far away from the Amityville house. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Connor Orr, thank you very much. Stay safe, buddy. Thank you. Let's move on and check in with the Houston Texans. We're still hanging around in the back end of the AFC playoff race. They knock off the Jacksonville Jaguars 27-13 to on the road. The Texans have won three of four. Uh, big matchup with Indianapolis on tap. Mark, is it possible the Texans will hang around in this race until Christmas? Or is next week the game where it just disappears? I think it's going to disappear at some point. I clearly agitated Greg at some stage at some uh, point. this week to Give get the man this an game. answer. What? I'm, he asked you a I'm, question. Is it happening I'm next week? I'm irritated that I was assigned this game. Well, you know, you would have complained about I could have given you the Rams again. You would have complained about that. You that know, was all, my biggest takeaway from this are game. You, uh, Greg, are you saying that perhaps Mark is becoming an issue? Well, he's trying to make up for on the podcast all this all this brown nosing, but yeah. behind the scenes, a lot of little daggers. Well, that's not, not none of that is accurate, what you just mentioned. <laughs> when I look at the Texans, I mean, they basically just they rode Arian Foster today. He had 88 yards before the half, finished with 127. You know, one week after throwing six touchdowns, which was obviously a complete and total mirage from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mirage. <laughs> Mirage, you're right. 13 of 19, 135 yards. It was just a – listen, the Texans are kind of a scrappy – Eight and eight type team that if everything fell right, they win maybe nine games. They're not going to the playoffs, no. Sounds right. They have seven wins this year, and the best quarterback they've beaten is about to be benched for Johnny Manziel. Right. They're, they're, every year, I, there's a couple teams that disprove the coach's cliche that, oh, it's hard to win a game in the NFL. It's it's the hardest thing to do. A sport. No, it's it's just <laughs> as easy as any other sport. One team wins every single game, and the Texans are seven and six. That's proof that it's not that hard. to Hardest win thing games. I ever did in my life is win a game <laughs> at this level. This game, life is hard in the NFL. You got to earn it. Bury the balls. Tony Sperano <laughs> talking about. Was that your Joe Philbin? I think when I said bury the balls. Oh, oh, of course, yes. a Raiders reference to Sperano. Joe Philbin is an IBM executive, as you said. 
There would be no intensity in his voice. I saw Philbin once at the scouting <laughs> combine walking down a carpeted hallway with a white turtleneck That's over <laughs> like over cords. Those pants that's, that are, that make that sound when you scratch your legs. Khakis, maybe. Really, he was wearing corduroys, corduroys, and a white turtleneck, if my memory serves, and nothing else. Is that a Connecticut thing? You calling them cords, corduroy pants? No, I cords is a thing. Cords is a thing. It's a human thing, Dan. It's called a, taking a long word and shortening it to make conversation <laughs> yeah, easier. Yeah, because corduroy is so painful to say. Cords or corduroy in your life growing up? None. I've, 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 both. I've heard both. Uh, as you can see, we're really plugged in on the Texans' chances. J.J. Uh, Watt, five QB plus. hits, three sacks, four tackles for loss. Give him the man the MVP. I agree. I might win that sandwich yet. Where's Von Miller and DeMarco at? They're probably like 13 sacks combined, right? They're not No, MVPs. they have more than that. I know. I'm kidding. Von They're Miller like is 13 himself, I think. <laughs> it's 13 and 10, I believe. All right. The Denver Broncos. And Peyton Manning, who was held without a touchdown mm. pass for the first time in 51 weeks of play. It didn't matter, though. They beat the Bills 24-17 in Denver. C.J. Anderson continues to be a waiver-wire godsend for fantasy owners. Scored three touchdowns from in close in this game. Uh, the Bills' playoff hopes, they seem to be on life support with an unforgor- unforgiving schedule ahead. Right, guys? Life support? That's awfully generous of you. Well, like, you know, well, they're, they're seven dead. and six. Their playoff hopes are dead. They're seven and six, but no, the Jets' playoff hopes are dead. The Bills are seven and six; they could run the table. Yeah, we know they're wild universe. No, they could in a wild universe because Kyle Orton is their quarterback. They're not going to beat the Packers and the Patriots. Speaking of which, (laughs) by the way, Kyle Orton played terrible in this game, and and Wes, you said it downstairs when I brought it up. Like if if EJ Manuel can't get into this game in a must-win scenario where the game was there for the taking, the Bills, the Broncos didn't play very well in this game. They were out of sync. The Bills had plenty of opportunities. And you know what? They just didn't they they didn't have the quarterback that could really make it happen. EJ Manuel can't get off the bench, so it tells you a lot about where Doug Marone stands on EJ Manuel in year two. Well, Orton's led him to this point, and it'd be weird to go back. I to think. the middle, well, to, to well, their to best season in how many years? Orton gonna Ten? Orton. So it's, you're saying it's a similar situation to the Browns, where a team that's been losing so much. He doesn't want to leave the guy that's got them a little better than average. I think Orton's been a bigger factor in their success overall, that he's been solid, that he he improved the, the passing game from just the bottom of the barrel. Well, you also like switching quarterbacks, unless you're really just a team in total chaos like the Titans or Jets or something. I mean, you don't want to throw a guy in there that's had no reps all week. I mean, that's part of it is like they didn't get blown out in this game. I mean, the score was deceiving, though, Dan. Is that the point? No, I mean it wasn't deceiving. It was the it was a one touchdown game, uh, and it should have been a game that the Bills could have stole. I mean they had twenty four first downs to the Broncos fifteen. Peyton Manning, you mentioned the stat on him. Is there any concern about how I Manning's played? I would be a little concerned. The second half, Manning has been a very up and down, topsy turvy quarterback, and uh, he threw two interceptions in this game. He's got eleven now in the season. He's not going to win MVP this year. That's going to someone else. Um, I know he is. Bigger things that he's trying to attain at this stage of his career, but the the if you look at his game log over the past you know six or seven weeks, there are a lot of games where his you know the passer ratings around hovering around eighty. He's not nearly as dominant a player as he was this time last year, and the way some of those passes float, including one interception that stands out to me uh, from this game, you got to think that maybe that arm strength is really becoming an issue to the point where it's taking his game down a level and he can't just outthink, outthink the opponents. When I tweeted the stat that he had his lowest passer rating in five years 
today and his lowest completion percentage last week. Broncos fans, dozens of them, got back to me and said, no big deal. They want to run the ball. It's not – look, they're winning games. It, this means nothing. I, I think it means something. It means he's not playing well. And, you, and with him, you always have to worry about his arm strength. And it's all relative. Even in all these games, he's not playing well. I mean, he's throwing – like today he threw for 8.6 yards per attempt. They're moving the ball through the air. But I think if you're a Broncos fan, you should be concerned that four of Manning's worst – Manning's four worst games of the season have come in the last six weeks. It's really it's, four it, of his worst games in a Broncos uniform. It, it's inarguable. So that's that's a trend, and you'd like to see that turn around before the end of the regular season. So we saw what the Broncos did. Now let's move to Sunday Night Football, where the New England Patriots keep themselves in great position to claim that top seed. They take care of business in a very impressive way. Beat the Chargers twenty three fourteen at. Qualcomm Stadium, a stadium filled with Patriots fans. Uh, so uh, bad job by Chargers fans and good job by Patriots fans filling up that building. But this was a game in which the Patriots took control about uh, midway through and just rolled 20 unanswered points. Chris Wessling, uh, this Patriots team bounced back very well from a tough loss at Lambeau Field, didn't they? Should have been 30 unanswered points at least. They had the pick six from Devin McCourty that was negated by Garbage one of the call. most suspect calls we've seen. Yeah, Garbage. And t- Tom Brady threw a really bad red zone interception that could have been a field goal or a touchdown at the end of the second half. It seemed like the Patriots were in control most of the night. What a night when the three of you are getting upset about bad calls against the Patriots. They I was need- just sitting back and enjoying that little slice of business. They went in Brandon Browner, <laughs> who's gotten penalized plenty for – for deserving reasons because he can't keep his hands off receivers. But in this case, he went – the ball was bobbled by uh, Ladarius Green and making the leap candidate, unfortunately. And in comes Browner, shoulder right on his pads. It knocks him out. He gets a concussion. And because it was such a violent hit, they threw the flag. They got to review that stuff. Let's get back to the game. I mean, I just – it drives me crazy. That was a seven-point swing. It just – I think it shows that the Patriots can win games in different types of ways, which is what you would want to see if you're a Patriots fan because – Tom Brady didn't really have that great a night for three quarters. He had probably one of his worst games of the year. The pass rush was getting to him. They don't have Chandler Jones or Donta Hightower in their game in this game, arguably their best two players in the front seven, and yet the defense really dominated. I mean, they were sending blitzes. The secondary had a great night. It was probably their best defensive performance of the entire season. They're, sm- they're good enough, and they're obviously they're so well coached they can back themselves out of corners Mid-game, they figure out how to do Other teams need to go, we'll look at the film later and figure out what happened. New England is just going to coast to the end of the year. There was an, just an overflow, a bubbling up of childlike joy coming from Greg's cubicle Greg, during this are you game. Prepared to, That's not true. Are you prepared to concede that the Dolphins aren't going to win the AFC East? Let's give the AFC East to the Patriots. I'm, uh, I'm fine with that. I don't think it's the seven thousandth time. Let's give the number one seed to the Patriots. No. Yeah. Let's, well, they deserve let's talk about the, who the Patriots play the rest of the way. Miami, who they killed never, them earlier. They never lose at Foxborough. Well, you can't just say they'll never lose at Foxborough. They've they, won, like, what, 90% of their games? They are not getting swept by Miami. It wouldn't be the craziest thing ever if they lost yes, to Miami would. or Buffalo. But you're right. I think they're the heavy favorite now for the one Their one road game seat. left is against the Jets, who are is that, feckless. Is that week 17? No, that's 16. Week 16. Yeah. Okay, is it the last Jets home game? There will be a little pop for the Jets playing for Rex by the end of the season. A little pop. But not enough to be the Patriots. <laughs> Yeah, they like, could lose one of those games. Like Eric so Blunt right. is going to run one, 320 Gino yards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you still have Geno involved. But, yeah, I, I could see them losing one game. But the way they're, they're playing at such a high level that I don't – they're going to just roll. Well, you're trained by Bill Belichick and these Patriots teams that they're going to play their best in December. 
that they're gonna Talking end peaking, and that's the way they're they are playing. So in if we looked at previous years, they wouldn't blow one of these. But I'm just saying Miami and Buffalo have enough weapons to give them. Talking a about trained, Belichick has these robots who play under him, and by Greg's reaction, we know the fans are actually brainwashed as well. <laughs> one week at a time, it's not really over. <laughs> Greg, you were getting um, a little misty-eyed talking about Julian Edelman and how important he is to this offense. I think Edelman is as valuable for them as Welker was in in his prime and, and Troy Brown was in his prime. 141 Welker. yards and yeah. a touchdown. Welker was Welker. averaging like 120 receptions it's and 1,400 yards. It's not about, all about numbers sometimes. You know that. And right. But for this offense, I think if you took Welker away, it wouldn't be as devastating as taking Gronk away. But I just don't see how they would exist they without would plug him and do it in and click on all cylinders. No, and he's not making plays West after the East. catch. He makes a lot of plays on his own. You, you gotta surprise me with your Danny Amendola uh, support. <laughs> you seem <laughs> to think that guy is just one opportunity away from fulfilling his. Potential. He would have a thousand yard season if Edelman wasn't there. They would just plug him into the slot. He can't play outside receiver, and he's forced to play in other positions because Edelman is the slot guy. All right. right. So I enjoy Greg's yes, attempt Mark. at. Suggesting New England's got a rough road ahead. They are no, the they, best team in the AFC right now. Absolutely, and they just survived the roughest road possible. This was really kind of the end of this streak where you played three straight AFC first-place teams, then the Packers, then the Chargers, and they only lost one, and that was in Green Bay. It came through with fine colors. Celebration. You know what? A lot of it, what this is about with Greg is that he knows what's coming. February 1st, 34-24, Packers over Pats, and it's going to hurt. Yeah. I don't want to sit next to you guys during a Super Bowl. Uh, I hope they get there, but I don't want to sit next to you guys. Fair enough. All right, that's it for another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will be back on Wednesday with another great show of goodness uh, talking about uh, everything that's happening in the NFL. Thank you for listening. Uh, check us out uh, however you want to check us out. But Stitcher is a great way to do it. iTunes, you know, Leave keep some... leaving those comments, which you guys are doing a great job. Maybe we'll read one of those on uh, Wednesday's show. That'll be fun. Tell your grandmothers about us, friends, in nah, the holiday don't season. Don't worry about the grandmas, but tell your uncles, like uncles your buddy, the buddy from high school, all that stuff. The Do grandmas it. will get my references. Tell them. <laughs> yeah, all right, tell <laughs> the grandmas. All right, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the Sizzler, the Mailman, the Boss, and Tay Day behind the glass. Ooh, jaunty. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. <laughs> it's your boy. <laughs> TV on fire. All I know is, you mess with me, you got problems. That's all I know. This is why you lift all them weights. <laughs> what the hell's going on out here? On fire. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.
This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.